0: All right, guys, let's get started. Open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We can come and gather as men and study Your Word, be encouraged and edified by it. And Lord, we pray that anything that is in our lives today, that is separating us from You, separating us from prayer, separating us from uh, desiring to be in fellowship, that, Lord, You would remove all those things from our hearts, from our minds. Lord, that we would truly realize just how much You paid to remove that guilt from us, to remove that shame from us. Lord, that during those times when we feel as if You are not close to us, Lord, it's not that. It's because we are not close to You. And so Lord, bless this time together. May we encourage and edify each other as men as we seek and we strive and we strain to be men of God. Lord, help us. Push us forward, Lord, because sometimes we need to be pushed. But Lord, may we always know that You are there beside us. And we thank You, Jesus, and we love You. We lift You up, Lord, as our King and our Savior. We exalt You. It's in Your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, we're going to be in John 20, 19. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It's just going to be really one verse that we're going to talk about today. And like I said, it goes right along with what Adam was saying. You know, there's times when we doubt God's promises. And there's times when we feel like we don't even deserve God's promises because we accept that condemnation, that um, accusing from Satan. And we hear it in our heart and in our mind and we listen to it. And it's coming from our old nature. You know, Satan uses that old nature that we have, and we all still have it. I often wonder, actually, I often desire that when we came to Christ, that the old nature would be completely gone. Wouldn't that be nice? No old nature dogging us in our steps, trying to bring us down, trying, you know, Satan trying to condemn us. Make us feel like we're not um, recipients of God's of Jesus' love and his forgiveness. and so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today and I'll try to keep it short. I'm really trying to concentrate on keeping the messages short because I know I have plans today and I know that most of you guys also have plans. so John twenty nineteen, on the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then we'll talk about the rest of that verse a little bit later on. But we all know the story. Jesus, the women, they ran to the tomb when they were told that the tomb was empty. And you know, we have to remember that Jesus had told them. He didn't say the tomb's going to be empty, but he did tell them that after three days, the son of man was going to rise. But yet they had to run and verify that. I got to see it for myself. There's no way. But Jesus told them that there was going to be an empty tomb. And so they run to the tomb, they see it's empty, and instead of rejoicing, say, yes, he fulfilled his promise to us. They turn around and they probably ran back to their hideout faster than they ran to the tomb because now it's, uh uh-oh, did, did the Pharisees steal the body? Did the Romans steal the body? Oh man, they're going to think that we stole the body just to try to fake that He rose from the dead so that everybody will believe in Jesus. And so they were scared to death. And so they run back and they're in fear. As we see in John twenty nineteen, with the doors locked for fear... Of the, of the Jewish leaders. And so they were afraid even before they knew the tomb was empty. They thought that the Jewish leaders who were absolutely in league with the Roman government, they thought they'd be hunted down. If they're going to crucify Jesus, what are they going to do to His followers? They're probably going to crucify us also. So they're hiding in fear. They're not relying on the promises that Jesus gave them. That He was going to be with them always. That the Holy Spirit, the Father was going to send the Holy Spirit um, to motivate them, to bless them, to be with them. And they doubted all of these things. And so the you know that that's a that's a, a a thing that they probably felt guilty about once Jesus did come to them and they were probably burdened with guilt and not feeling worthy that they had walked with the messiah they had walked with the Son of Man. They had walked with Jesus. And that's a thing, you know, for us, when, when we're burdened with guilt, for whatever reason, we believe the lies of the enemy. We stumble and fall. Um, we feel like we're a failure. We feel like we're not being used for the furtherance of the kingdom. We're not being used by Jesus. We don't recognize the things that we are being used for. And so we can have this guilt or this shame when we listen to the enemy. And you know, guys, what that makes us do? It it puts us in a place where we're afraid to encounter that love of Jesus. We're afraid to, to be close to Him, especially if we're burdened from guilt, from sin that's in our life we're afraid to we're like the 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 people here we can run and and hide and cower in fear and say god is never going to forgive me and we feel like we're under the magnifying glass of jesus and we think we can maybe hide from him like these guys they think that they can hide from the romans from the pharisees but are they really af- afraid of Man, maybe He did rise from the dead. And we're doubting Him. And so they're hiding in fear of all of these things. And we can be the same way. We can hide in fear. And and we can feel like we're under the magnifying glass of Jesus. And we feel like, you know, Lord, how can I ever be good enough to be used by You? And you know, we can't. (laughs) We just can't be good enough to be used by Jesus but he uses us anyways. He uses us in spite of our weaknesses, our failures, our foibles, our stumblings, our fallings. And he picks us up and he puts us back on our feet. And you know, I still I still feel that some way, you know, in in some ways also you might think that as a pastor and all of these things that, that, oh man, Chuck must feel like he's been being used by God all the time. Well guys, it's not like that. <clears throat> it's just not like that. I recognize the way, the, the ways that the Lord uses me, but I still listen to those lies that the enemy shoots into my mind. You know, you aren't good enough. You sinned yesterday. You sinned terribly yesterday. Jesus has left you. you're not close to Jesus anymore. You know the Bible says that when we draw closer to him, he draw draws closer to us. It's our step. It's the step we have to take, and so how do we draw closer to him? Prayer, reading the word, asking him for forgiveness. and you know guys there's 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 really two steps in forgiveness. And we can sometimes think that repenting and asking for forgiveness are the same thing, but they're not. We can, we can go and ask Jesus for forgiveness, and he, and he does. He forgives us. But repentance is like step two. Repentance means turning from that sin, going the other way. And so we can be forgiven, but but we have to turn from that sin. We have to rely on the Lord for His strength to keep us from falling into that sin as a lifestyle, as a habit, as as something that can take control of us and put us back in bondage. And it's easy sometimes to say, you know, God Jesus'll forgive me anyways, you know if I stumble and fall that way again, <clears throat> all I gotta do is go back to him and he's and he's gonna forgive me, but we need to be careful about making that assumption. yes, he's gonna forgive us, but Jesus also expects us to rely on him for the strength to also repent and turn from that sin, and so. You know guys, what's amazing about this is, this is all after we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've already accepted Him. We've already accepted that free gift of grace. But yet we still struggle with all of these things. And we still struggle with feeling unworthy to be used by the Lord. And you know, I, I've been a missionary and I'm not, you know guys, I'm not saying this in any way to, to build myself up or or anything because I fully realize how unworthy I am to be used by God. But the point I want to make is that even when we're used by God in, in ways that we've never expected, we can still feel absolutely unworthy. We can still go back to a place where we can say, um, Lord, I'm just not... I'm just not worthy. You don't use me anymore. You use me to do this. But now what? Have you dropped me? Have you let go of me? Is this it? Do you have any more plans for me? You know, I I can feel that way sometimes because my time in the mission field in Sudan ended far sooner than I ever planned for it to end. I thought... This was it. This was the way God was going to use me for the rest of my life. But that wasn't the plan. And you know, how dare me make that assumption that I knew the mind of Jesus that yes, Lord, this is this is it. This was the ultimate plan you had for my life. And then it ended. And it ended Not the way I would have um, seen it end. And I asked myself, Lord, show me. You know, I started doubting myself. I started doubting the Lord. I started started asking God questions. Lord, did I do something that I don't know to disqualify myself? Are you punishing me and saying... You can't do that anymore. That you you really did something that displeases me. And I was really searching for something. God, what did I do? Why, why is this ending? I thought this was it. But you know, I fail to see the other things in my life that that God um, uses me for. And guys, that's one of the things that you should do in your own life that I should do in my own life is to really examine the things in our daily life that God is using us for. Are we edifying and encouraging our brothers? Are we praying? You know, God calls people to be prayer warriors. And that might seem like not much, but I think it's one of the most important callings that there is is to be a prayer warrior. I think it's one of the greatest callings is to be a a wonderful father. One of the greatest callings is to be a good friend. Somebody that your brother can come to and, and ask you to help him carry a burden. Those are all wonderful callings. And sometimes we might look at those things and think that that's not a calling. That it's just something we're supposed to do. But it's a calling. God uses us in those ways. And they are mighty. Those are mighty things. Those are mighty callings from the Lord. And you know, God... I came back from Sudan. And it was a full two years before I knew what God's next plan was for me. And I'll be honest with you, it's actually a harder calling than it was to be in Sudan and that's you know that's my current job is is uh, counseling with foster kids and counseling with probation kids and and it's hard it's tough and it's a lot of hours a lot of hours that I actually don't get paid for because it it consumes a good part of my day and I get phone calls yesterday I got a phone call it was getting towards towards the end of my day and I was, you know, thinking, I'm going to be able to go home on time today. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> and then the phone rang. And it was MPH, middle school where I have kids that I work with. And I had to run over there and put out a fire with one of my kids. <laughs> and I didn't get home on time. But you know what? I look at those things and... In, in, Working all those hours with without overtime, without any kind of pay whatsoever. Um, You know, I look at that as serving the Lord. And and it's hard. I complain. I'm not going to tell you I go home with all this joy and everything at night. I go home and collapse in my bed. After I eat dinner and I just, man, I'm just so tired. And those kids, they suck the life out of you. I'm sorry. (laughs) But they really do. And I collapse. But you know, I always have to go back to um, that this is what the Lord had for me after the mission field. And I'm, and I'm thankful that God had something else for me. And I'm able to reflect and say, you know what, Lord? <laughs> Forgive me for assuming that I had arrived. You know, it's kind of what it is. I look back. I reflect on that, and, and that's really what I was saying, you know, ah, the mission field, I've arrived, this is wonderful, this is where God is really going to use me, and maybe I disqualified myself, I don't know, but who knows, but you know, pride, it really was pride, and uh, arrogance in the eyes of the Lord, that I thought that this was, you know, His plan, And so I'm careful to, you know, not think that okay, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life working with these kids. Um, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I don't know what the Lord has for me in the future, and you don't know what the Lord has for you in the future. I always tell, you know, I always tell, especially young kids. I told this to my Sunday school class last week. You know, I had 17 kids in this room. And I just love it. Man, I love it. I love teaching those kids. And and I, and I told them, you know what? The most exciting life in the world is the life of a Christian. Because you never know. And I said, and this is going to be when you guys become adults. If you, you know, if you continue to walk with the Lord and you never know what God's going to do with you. You never know when the direction of your life and your steps could change in a heartbeat. The blink of an eye. You know, that, that, that's the way it happened for me for the mission field. I, I never wanted to be a missionary. The next thing I know, I'm in South Sudan. That's how quickly it can happen. God can just change our lives in a heartbeat and, and just send us in another direction that we never saw coming. It's exciting to be a Christian. It's exciting to wait on the Lord and see what He's got for us. And so I'm not going to make that same mistake and think, you know, this is it. Um, but you know we look back in the Bible and we look at Moses and to use uh you know to use a term that gets used a lot today Moses, epic fail, Jonah, epic fail, Peter, epic fail, but the Lord still used him after their epic failures picks us back up, and you know. Everybody in here has heard of Mother Teresa. And you know, she was just canonized as a saint by the Catholic Church and, and everything. Did Mother Teresa know the Lord? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know that. I would like to believe that she did. I don't know how somebody that um, doesn't know the Lord could persevere that long her entire life through what she did i don't know that that's possible without knowing the lord and i read something very interesting about mother teresa that um <clears throat> is why i tend to believe that she, that that she may have known the lord and that is the fact that um she struggled mightily, in especially out there in India where her her main ministry was. She questioned the Lord always, every day, about what she had given up, about all the comforts that she could have had, and why am I doing this. And that's why I say, I believe she knew the Lord. Those are questions that, that Christians ask, not unbelievers. And so even Mother Teresa... Um, epic struggles epic questioning of the lord and so in the second half of of uh, john 2019 and this is the beautiful part jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you and so you know wherever we're at in our life in our walk jesus is always there to meet us wherever we're at because He loves us and He offers us peace and not fear. He offers us forgiveness, not condemnation. We have to remember what Paul um, said. And I just reminded um, somebody of this a couple of weeks ago that came to me for prayer whose husband has fallen out of fellowship. and. And one of the reasons is because um, he's gone back to the old man. And I told him, you, you know, tell him there's no condemnation in Christ. No reason for him to be ashamed to come back into fellowship. And, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, people can read our minds. They're just going to see it in our face that we have failed, we have sinned mightily. And we want to stay away from fellowship. Oh man, everybody in that church can read my mind. They're going to know as soon as I walk in the door. (laughs) (laughs) But guys, it's not like that. And we can't let those things cause us to fall out of fellowship. In any way, shape, or form. You know, Jesus is not up in heaven putting us under a magnifying glass and examining us. He's up in heaven interceding for us as the devil accuses us for these things that we're feeling guilty about. And Jesus is there being our defense attorney. That's what an interceder is. You can take that word intercession and replace it with, He's our defense attorney. He's our public defender. <laughs> because He is. And He's interceding for us with the Father. The Bible tells us that. And so, there's no there's no condemnation in Christ. There There is now therefore no condemnation in Christ. Paul says he is present and he is next to us, and we we should rejoice of those things about those things. And so let's you know let's just conclude here with um, uh, a thing that I would like to do. You know, if if anybody here, including myself, if you know if we're hiding something from Jesus, which by the way is not possible, just thought let. I just thought I'd let you know that in case you did in case you didn't. Um, you know guys let's let's open ourselves to them now and, and confess it and I'm not talking about confessing in front of others confessing anything in public. you know Jesus is there to offer us his peace. so let's just spend about you know two, three minutes in quiet time. Um, go to the Lord, confess whatever it is to, that needs to be confessed. If you don't have anything to confess, you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to say something real quick. Yeah. Because for me, it's talking about forgiveness. The biggest thing for me, forgiving, you know, I could ask for forgiveness, but, you know, and forgive everybody else that what's been wrong to me. But my biggest thing to get over was forgiving myself. Absolutely. For me, going back to doing, you know, stupid things. Mm-hmm. And once I kind of like, uh, you know what? I can't let, I can't feel guilty about nothing because the Lord set me free, you know. And yeah, it took me 41 years, you know. <laughs> but you know my my heart's changing. I just everybody that's just something to think about. Once you forgive yourself, you're, you know, that's the biggest hurdle. And that and, and that's so important. And I'm glad you brought that up because I've had people tell me that i it it makes me remember, and i'll just be real quick with this um it makes me remember uh a woman that I was ministering to down in in West valley, and she was in there for um failure to protect her children from a man that was abusing him abusing her children in horrible ways and abusing her also emotionally, not physically and um And when she finally got up the nerve to go to the police and they went out to the house to talk to the guy um, when the when the sheriff's pulled up out in front of the house, um, he actually came he committed suicide by a cop he came running out of the door with a with a big old butcher knife in his hand, and they shot him and so she had guilt about that too. But as I talked and prayed with her and and did Bible studies with her down at West Valley, that was one thing that she struggled with was um I can never forgive myself for this, and that is that's probably one of the worst bondages that 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 we can be in when it comes to forgiveness. We can forgive others, like you said, we can forgive um, anybody just about for anything. I mean, that's what the Lord commands us to do. But if if we can't forgive ourselves, that's really when you look at it, that's really the first step of 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 letting the Lord purge us ourselves from that guilt and that shame because that's what we're doing. We can't forgive ourselves. We're in bondage to guilt and shame. And looking at ourselves as less than worthy um to be saved. And there's nobody that's less than worthy to be saved. And so let's let's just take a a few minutes to be in quiet prayer and and then we'll pray together and, and go on our way. Let's Let's pray for ourselves. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every man here and their individual prayers. Lord, as these prayers rise up to You, Lord, may they be a sacrifice. May they be pleasing to You, Lord, as we seek. Lord, as, as David said, to cleanse us Lord make us white as snow to renew a right spirit within us Lord Lord help us to walk in the light of eternity Lord that these times of trials and tribulations and struggles are just a blink of an eye a flash in the pan a a vapor, Lord, compared to the eternity that awaits us. Lord, help us to walk in that light. Help us to always have eternity on our minds. Lord, an eternity of rest with no trials, no tribulations, an eternity of worship and of walking with You. Lord, we have so much to look forward to, but yet we forget it we struggle, we strive, we strain. So Lord, help us to always keep that prize in mind. Help us to run the race. And Lord, help us to always remember that You will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, bless the rest of this day. Give us Your comfort and Your joy and Your peace as You gave those apostles and those disciples that same rejoicing and peace and comfort when You appeared to them. Bless this day, Lord. Bless all these men. Help us, O Lord, to continue in endurance. We thank You, Jesus, and we love You. And we lift your name on high in exultation, Lord, of praise and worship. And Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen.